1: Welcome back. Friday, May 19th, 2023. We made it through another week. We're almost there. I am Seth Leibson. The phone number 602-508-0960. Got my producer David Dahl wearing a coat and well, wearing a coat. <laughs> I couldn't say tie, but man, you look fancy. Got my uh, got Bill Rock in the Magnum PI over here uh, to my right. I, uh, In thinking about our topic of the apathetic times we live in, I wanted to conclude our week with a thought as it relates to the importance of memory and history. Bear with me a moment. Yesterday, Pamela Paul at the New York Times wrote the following, quote, it would seem impossible to forget or minimize the cultural revolution in China, which lasted from 1966 to 1976, resulted in an estimated 1.6 million to 2 million deaths and scarred a generation and its descendants. The movement which under Mao Zedong's leadership sought to purge Chinese society of all remaining non-communist elements upended nearly every hallowed institution and custom. Teachers and schools long held in esteem were denounced. Books were burned and banned, museums ransacked, private art collections destroyed, intellectuals were tortured. But in China, a country where information is often suppressed and history is constantly rewritten, witness recent government censorship of COVID research and the obscuring of Hong Kong's British colonial past in new school textbooks. The memory of the Cultural Revolution risks being forgotten, sanitized and abused to the detriment of the nation's future, close quote. Pay attention to that line about upending nearly every hallowed institution and custom. That comes from Mao's desire to rid China of the four olds, old ideas, old culture, old customs, old habits. Pamela Paul then writes, quote, under Xi Jinping, China's top leader, efforts to suppress this history have intensified with troubling implications for the political health of the country at a time when it looms larger than ever on the world stage. High school textbooks in China now reduce the cultural revolution to just a few short paragraphs, and the country, as a result, is ethically hollow, with a numb passivity, an absence of conscience, a sickness of the soul. Moral decline in China is more of a severe problem than poverty or crime, close quote. This comes to us as important for two, even more important reasons. One, it is a whitewashing of the toxicity of the Mao Marxism that is receiving increased countenance and celebration here in America, especially among our youth and promulgated in the media aimed at our youth. Two, it is or should be instructive to us as to what happens to a country that propagandizes its own history. In short, it is the two fires that lead us to the place we are in now, right here too, ethically hollow with a numb passivity and an absence of conscience that is in fact worse than poverty and crime because other things, those are for, among other things, because those are the very gasolines that lead to such pros- social problems as poverty and crime. Now, the interesting thing about our education wars here, our textbook wars here, as in the case of the textbook propagandization in China, is that they both come from the same direction. Opposition to capitalism animated by neo-Marxism and an iconoclasm of our old ideas and culture like freedom, equality, and American or Western greatness. Think about replacing 1619 for 1776. Think about our awful American history scores. Think about the aggressive antagonism toward rooting out critical race theory in our history books in our elementary and high schools. Surprise, surprise that all such fuels and animations lead to the apathy I've been lamenting here, or as Paul puts it, ethical hollowness, with a numb passivity, an absence of of conscience, a sickness of the soul impregnating so much of our society. It isn't just the etiology of our apathy, it's the etiology of our lack of focus and concentration on the important things. It's responsible for our confusing the critical with the frivolous. That, after all, is what a sober society dedicated to appreciating its history should be, and in the past has been able to do. In the introduction to his history textbook on America, Bill McClay writes For the human animal, meaning is not a luxury, it is a necessity. Without it, we perish. Historical consciousness is to civilized society what memory is to individual identity. Without memory, and without the stories by which our memories are carried forward, we cannot say who or what we are. Without them, our life and thought dissolve into a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. A culture without memory, he writes, will necess—will necessarily be barbarous and easily tyrannized, even if it is technically advanced. The necessary waves of daily events will occupy all our attention and defeat all of our efforts to connect past, present, and future, thereby diverting us from an understanding of the human things that unfold in time, including the paths of our own lives, close. quote. We ought to focus on those lines as the guardrails for our renewal, as do you not see the very frenzy we live in these days as resultant from that meaningless, unrelated rush of events foisted on us by the crisis industrial complex? The necessary waves of daily events becoming our only occupation an amnesia, not only for our long march and success, and yes, some failures in our own history, but An amnesia of important things that happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. The Durham findings are now only reported upon and receive attention by conservatives who talk about them in the context of the mainstream media, ignoring them. The James Comer report on the Biden family's self-enrichment, a week old, is as far back in our rearview mirror as the Battle of Gettysburg. Biden classified documents, nowhere a story. The mask and vaccine studies, deep six. The covid mitigations, downwash, gone. How about violent riots that ruined cities, police forces, cost billions, killed dozens, all in the name of a movement supported by an entire political party and almost every elite institution from athletics to entertainment to business that only wants us to remember a riot of eight hours that led to none of that. How about a FBI chilling and pushing prior restraint on parents at school board meetings? All now just one big, meaningless rush of events. We discount and diminish and memory hole so much of all that and engage in revisionism of the lingering threads of those stories that still exist. In his book, The Image, the great historian Daniel Boorstin writes quote, The making of illusions which flood our experience has become the business of America, some of its most honest and most necessary and most respectable business. What ails us most is not what we have done with America, but what we have substituted for America. We suffer primarily not from our vices or our weaknesses, but from our illusions. We are haunted not by reality, but by those images we have put in place of reality. He wrote that back as long ago as 1960s. Now bear with me here, for this is the root of the root and the bud of the bud. Dr. Borston puts it this way, quote, the disproportion between what an informed citizen needs to know and what he can know becomes ever greater. The disproportion grows with the increase of the official's power of concealment and contrivance. The news gatherers need to select, invent, and plan, thus correspondingly increases, close quote. So we are ever increasingly governed by what the media wants us to be moved by. What it decides or conceals or contrives should be important to us. Tyrants may want to ban media to conceal war and cultural crimes, but what of our purported non-tyrants that want to ban media to conceal facts that might otherwise demand judgments and solutions? This is why history and pathos, caring, giving a damn, matters, but also, too, why we are forced into the frenzy, the daily rush, the revisionism, for so much the easier to deprive us of the ability to reflect and hold others accountable. Take what Pamela Paul writes up that is going on in China today, for they don't really need to invade us, after all, if we are going to import their practices and ideology with either volition or veleity. In his novel, 1984, George Orwell writes that the process of alteration was not confined only to newspapers, but to all kinds of documentary evidence and film at the behest of the party, capital P, party. I worry still his book was less a novel to us today and really more of a how-to policy and procedure manual. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Think about our economy here, bank failures, stock market volatility, inflation, not really transitory anymore, is it? And possibly even a recession on the horizon. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, an investment where you can turn your monthly income in or off, on or off, you can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal. if you need your money back at any time. This is a circuit secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. Why ReFi is local, I encourage you to stop by their offices in Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. And I can tell you, you won't get any kind of sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like them so much and trust them so much and that you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence proof firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob.
2: Hi, Seth. I'm glad I finally got a hold of you. I've been trying for years. Anyway, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Um, sir. Also, uh, per yesterday and David's uh, dance uh, thing, um, you must remember that uh, the Beach Boys also had a song called Dance, Dance, Dance. um, Yes. One of their original oldies that I I still really like.
1: Yes. Um,
2: um, Not that you'll ever play it, or maybe you will. I don't know. You never know. you never know. That's part of the fun and mystery of your show. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to mention. It was I that remember, famous uh, cover
1: album, right, where they're all kind of in those striped shirts.
2: Yeah. Short sleeves, striped
1: collared shirts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and it was just a it's just a great. Uh, it makes you want to dance. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't even dance. I don't even know how. Anyway, um, you mentioned the Cultural Revolution with China. Yeah. I remember. Before that, there was the. Uh, Great Leap Forward. Right, end of the
1: 50s, yes, right. End of
2: the 50s, and I think to this day, nobody really has an accurate count as to how many really died there, but it's probably somewhere between 30 to 60 million, and that's in rough figures.
3: Uh, And then
2: after 1949, of course, when the communists took over, they actually, and again, nobody has exact figures, but it's somewhere between, you know, one and five million people prior to... Uh, they're greatly forward. Yeah, you get to a hundred pretty
1: quickly, actually, when you add it all up, all these campaigns oh, of yeah. Mao say Yeah, you get to a hundred yeah. million pretty quickly. Yeah, interestingly, yeah, I, interestingly, it's Chinese scholars that uh, have the higher no- higher death tolls. Isn't that interesting? That is very, it's Chinese scholars. That is very, yeah, I think yeah. so too. I think it's telling.
2: And I yeah, and I, I think you know that's something again. I'm sure they they're not teaching this in American schools. No, I'm sure, no, maybe, they're not. Maybe not even in universities. But I think that's something worth uh, telling: is to just how many poor Chinese were murdered uh, under communism since 1949, and the biggest chunk had to do with the uh, the Great Leap Forward, which had to do with uh, a famine, which I believe had to do with China trying to use the Soviet model of industrialization, uh, you know, and that didn't quite work out so well. They were trying to do too many things too fast. Well, it was an
1: engineered famine, and it was animated in part, as I remember reading about it, it was animated in part by um, Mao Zedong's concern that the Soviet Union was becoming too liberal, in seeing as he was Khrushchev's denunciation of Stalin and the pushback in places like Hungary. He wanted none of that and uh, decided to crack down harder. He wanted yeah. to be harder than Khrushchev. Um, he thought Khrushchev was letting the revolution down.
2: Well, yeah, and one could argue for years as to whether or not that was true or if he just slowed it down a little bit. Um, Another thing anyway I, I just I pity the poor Chinese people in general, the uh, average everyday types, not the ones in power um, I remember Plato had once even mentioned not so much China but just uh, one of the penalties of refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors mm. and nothing nothing could be further from the truth I think as today um, Marxism. Is exemplified by Leninism was built on the principle that everything is political, including uh, dismantling the family structure and brainwashing the kids. You know, from preschool on up. And Lenin even said, "Give me four years to teach the kids, and the seeds I have sown will never be uprooted." Um, definitely, food for thought. Um, yes, and it was,
1: and it was, about- and it was adopted here. As a yes. theolo- as a theoretical um, potential uh, possibility by the Marxist feminist <coughs> movement in the early 70s, you may remember the phrase, the personal is political. Everything became political, in other words. Everything was to be oh, yeah. politicized, which is, by the way, what you are seeing um, the, uh, the, the outgrowth Today. of. Yeah, sure, with the, with the politicalization of this whole transgender stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, and, and the over-politicization of it. Um, the, the the other thing I, I just had to bring up, because uh, somebody had brought up Miles Davis yesterday. Yes, I had a feeling that <laughs> this would
1: a, not be a one-off.
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm on your side, Seth. I, I think he was Because uh, you're a
1: musician. You understand exactly my point.
2: Well, yeah, I think, you know, you, you could take uh, everybody from Louis Armstrong to Doc Severinsen to Maynard, of course, and many others. Uh, there are jazz players,
1: even jazz at Chet yeah. Baker. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are yeah. uh, any number of uh, Wynton Marcellus, uh is yeah. is eight thousand times the player Miles Davis was. Um,
2: well, and, and an interesting side Fattis John
1: Fattis he's ten thousand times the player. Yeah,
2: yeah, and he he played with Buddy too. One well, now, what? Speaking of drummers, one of my favorites, Tony Williams actually got hired by Miles Davis when Tony was about 17 years old mm-hmm. and and uh, was playing in, I think they called his uh, Miles the second great quintet or something like that. Uh-huh. But what, what's even more fascinating is when we finally got to Bitches Brew, um, uh, Tony Williams wasn't on it, but Tony had mentioned to Miles once, he said, why don't you practice? And that kind of tells me a lot about... Uh, you know, Miles. You
1: God know, uh, somewhere in the track? back of my mind, I know this story, or I he- I heard a similar story. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I heard that uh, that rings a mm-hmm. bell. Yeah, that ring. It might explain why he was such a lousy trumpet player.
2: Well, yeah. Now, yeah. in and in in the drummer way of thinking that I occasionally do, I mean, the kind of blue album is a great one. I have it. Uh, Jimmy Cobb was the drummer for anybody that cares. Uh, but in Bitches Brew, he had. He had several different ones. He had uh, Lenny White, who later later went on to uh, 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 Chick Corea, and Return to Forever, and then he had Jack DeJohnette, who's a very very accomplished jazz drummer, as well as Billy Cobham. Boy, that and, Return uh, to
1: Forever was huge. I remember that. Oh yeah, that was huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, and so, but but I mean, again, the bottom line is Miles is he 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 innovated, but we could talk about that the really neat part about jazz how to innovate but it takes a lot of practice to be able to innovate and he didn't seem to like to practice
1: well Rob because you're a musician you agree with me thank you sir India, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, Russia, China are all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within central bank digital currency. The patents have been filed. And the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating consequences. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Trust trust the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka. I and thousands of you already know the Midas Gold Group. Give them a call today at 480 360 3000. 480 360 3000 or visit them online at midasgoldgroup.com. It's hard to do. Trust, precious. It's hard to get all those. All right, we got the full team here for the revived, the revivified. What did I learn this week or over the last three weeks? Yes, it's segment. Like I learned I learned it's been a while. Month. So we welcome back Bill with his Hawaiian shirt. Nice to see. I like to. I like to see the Magnum Pi effect. It's really more the Hawaii Five O effect. I was going for the Magnum effect, but I'll take either one. Yeah, Jack Lord and uh, and company. Anyway, Bill, what have you learned this week, or any time in the last three weeks? Since well, I, I learned that Miles Davis has become quite a subject on the show this <laughs> oh, come week. Come on, no, you cannot. It cannot be self-referential. I'm Seth Referential. (laughs) (laughs) You've got – I I learned that you were right, by the way, about running out of names, the problem of that. James Comer, James Comey, people who are named too closely to one another, Jimmy Falla and all that sort of thing that we've become less invented. Mike Gallagher, there's the congressman, there's the radio host. It turned into a problem this week. I heard a prominent national radio host Use the name James Comey when he meant James Comer. Mm, that's so what it is. It, that was what you were pointing out. You said it was about to happen. Do You see what happens, Larry? Yes, this is what happens. Is this all we have from you? Do we have more? You know, so you experienced. Jim Brown died. Yeah, that's that's a big death in the
0: sports world. Yeah. Absolutely, one yeah. of the greatest athletes of all time, not just greatest running backs of all
1: time. I, I met him once through. Did yeah, once uh, with Jack. He was doing something with Jack Kemp, which would make sense. They would have played maybe around the same time but not in the same league there were a couple exactly leagues, right? contemporaries but two separate leagues yeah. NFL and AFL. yeah I think that that's how I remember it but uh, great sports uh, great sports figure and uh, here too we, we praise uh, good men. I think by all accounts a good man right?
3: I think so, yeah not, I think so. I don't
1: remember hearing much otherwise. yeah, I think he did a lot of good charitable work. All right, David Dahl, what do you got? What did you learn this week? Did I, are we done with this? Do you have more?: You experienced
0: then the, the B- B- Bader Meinhoff yeah. thing yeah. about the names. Yeah. Luckily, there's not going
1: to be another Badder Meinhoff anytime soon. Again, t- yes, right. But you never know there could be. you never know there could be a revivified that.: Sure. Uh, David Dahl.
3: I learned the difference between 8-track between and cassette.
1: <laughs> what do you mean you learned the difference? The hard way, right? Uh,
3: yes. I, I uh, discovered that the uh, what I thought was a cassette tape player in my uh, new old car is in fact an 8-track player.
1: Oh, really? Uh, you learned the hard way? Did you lose a tape to it?
3: No. It just – nothing would work. It wouldn't even take it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Did and you even – did you know why. what an
1: 8-track was?
3: I've seen them in the pictures.
1: So you did know. <laughs> yes. But Can you I, I, get some off eBay or something?
3: I've never held one. Um, you could yeah. probably get some. Probably.
1: probably. Unless you yeah. broke your 8-track player.
3: But, well, Good luck trying to find yeah. <laughs> an 8-track
1: player repair shop. There yeah. probably is one. There probably is one somewhere.
3: Um, I, I learned some, some country dancing moves. Yeah. Did you have a good time dancing last um, night? Last night was great. Yes, and, last and you're night
1: not dancing great. tonight. I know this because you wore a political pin. I can see the pin, but I, I can't I see what's wore a political
3: on. pin and a jacket. And today's pin is sort of interesting. I want to say it's from 90 or 91, well, right about the Gulf War. Yeah. And it's a picture of Colin Powell and George Bush. And uh, what's it, say? it says something, uh, America needs, and the two pictures in 92.
1: Well, there was uh, thinking, early thinking of running Colin Powell for president at one point. What were you saying, Bill? Mm, one minute. Uh, 90% approval rating. What yeah. could go wrong? Right, right. In 90, Yeah, that's right. In January of 92, Bush had a 90%, almost a 90, I think, yeah, 89, 90% approval rating. And all the conversations were about who would be foolish enough to run against him. Bill Clinton put his name in the ring thinking he would lose in the primaries to Mario Cuomo. Mario Cuomo ended up not running. Bill Clinton ended up becoming the nominee and boy that 89 90% didn't mean a whole lot by Slick by November. That's how you got Bill Clinton.
3: You know, I read that he was a day away from deciding to uh, run in 88.
1: Yeah, that could that could be. He he gave that he gave that convention speech in 88 which Was known as too long. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It is a privilege, an honor, and a delight to welcome back to the show Representative Debbie Lesko. Congresswoman Lesko represents proudly represents Arizona's eighth congressional district. Did a great uh, press conference uh, earlier. This week to reintroduce the Women's Bill of Rights, standing with a lot of stalwarts, including folks from the Independent Women's Forum and Riley Gaines. Representative Lesko, welcome back.
4: Thanks for having me back, and it's great to be back in Arizona. I flew in last night from D.C.
1: Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, it's nice to have you. Things felt a little more common sense around here. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why. We have Debbie Lesko in town. That's why. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, this this Bill of Rights, Women's Bill of Rights, that you've been um, championing, championing so well and so strongly, it's a weird thing in the sense, Debbie, isn't it, that it's the kind of legislation, like, three, four, five years ago, you never would have even thought we needed.
4: Well, absolutely. I mean, we've, we're in some crazy times. The, the Democrats and the radical left are trying to push through all kinds of radical ideas and, uh, you know, I'm trying to stop them. And one of the ways that I'm trying to stop them is by inter- reintroducing the Women's Bill of Rights, because, as you know, um, the Supreme Court justice couldn't even answer the definition of what a woman is when asked. And people seem to be confused. And so it's very important uh, that this bill gets passed because it defines what a woman is and what a man is in federal law. And it seems like we need that because now there's some courts out there that have bad rulings, but they don't seem to uh, know what the definition of sex is. So basically what my bill does is for the purposes of federal law, a person's sex means his or her biological sex, either male or female at birth. And for purposes of federal law, Uh, Addressing sex, the terms woman and girl refer refer to human females, and the terms man and boy refer to human males. And like you said, it's a sad day indeed that we actually need this bill, but we do.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, an old quote of George Orwell's who said, we've reached such a low point in society that the first task of the intelligent is now to restate the obvious that 's what you guys uh, find yourself uh, needing to be doing. Uh, let me put out a website women 's bill dot com women 's bill of dot com Anyone in the listening audience can and I would urge them to sign it. It would be nice to get uh, tens and tens and tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of names signed on to this debbie to help uh, help you guys out what do you say by the way debbie lesko what do you say to people um on the other uh, side of this issue uh, which is odd i mean but there are people on the other side of this issue that's why you don't get a lot of democrats supporting you uh if any but by the way yeah let me ask you that if any do you get any democrats supporting you on this <laughs>
4: Not yet. Not yet. So far, all of the co-sponsors of the bill have been Republicans. Incredible. Um, And so I don't expect that any Democrats are going to support it. I mean, I would be pleasantly uh, surprised if they do, but they have gone so radical. This is not the old Democrat Party. This is, in the last few years, they have just been pushing through the most radical stuff. I mean, think about it yesterday. Not only this issue, but yesterday in the U.S. House of Representatives, Republicans passed a bill that supports police and is against defunding the police, and 117 Democrats voted against it. Incredible. Like, who votes? You know, I just don't understand it's, that. It's, it's just you know, and. And I don't understand when you have Riley Gaines, who has been swimming since she was two years old and training, and she she's in, you know, the NCAA swim tournament, and then you have a male, Leah Thomas, who competes against her. They tie, and who do they give, who does the NCAA give the uh, trophy to? The the transgender Leah Thomas. Mm -hmm. And Leah Thomas, when she swam with the male swim team, she was mediocre. Mm -hmm. She was just in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so this is not fair to women. It's not fair uh, because they're erasing women. And I don't understand why the Democrats, who on other issues, say that women need equal rights, women need equal wages, women need all this stuff, which I, you know, I agree with, but they, they totally are giving transgenders priority over women. And so what I say to my Democrats, because a lot of people, you know, will say that, oh, you're discriminating against transgenders. No, I'm not they are discriminating against women. I'm not going after transgenders. If transgenders want their own sport, go for it. If transgenders want their own bathroom, go for it. But don't force my granddaughter to, you know, be subjected to a man with male body parts going in her girl's locker room. And don't subject my granddaughter when she's competing in sports to have a man compete against her. This is not fair. It is hurtful to women. It's hurtful not only on sports issues, but for their safety. We've had men now identifying as women being put in women prisons They're raping the women. This is not something I'm making up. This is what's happening. Girls in the Peoria School District, this issue came up on bathrooms. There are girls, one of the school board members told me, that there are girls that don 't want to go to the bathroom right. they they hold it right. they hold it because they don 't nope. want to go to the bathroom because nope. they don 't want to be subjected to men being in the bathroom or boys being in the bathroom right. This is
1: crazy and by the way, also attendant to this is hiding and concealing these things from the school administration and teachers to the parents, taking away parental involvement which is which is its whole other. A whole other kettle of kettle of worms. I, I this this was put into stark perspective for me. You may know Michelle Tafoya, former NFL commentator, now now uh, a podcaster. She was talking to me about this, saying, you know, these women women who compete in women's sports that we have you know fought the last you know three decades, four decades for to have uh, parity in sports. You know, they train their whole lives. They train their whole lives for a moment that might not last more than a minute or two in the ultimate competition only to see their medal taken away from them by a man and it, you know that that just really puts it in really sharp relief debbie um and i, I it you does. Know, it's 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 an incredible it does. thing and to watch you know, former spokesmen for women's sports, like the female soccer players, cave on this issue, um, just shows you what grip the left has on so many people, because it's, 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 it's the most common sense thing in the world, as I say, something I wish we wouldn't have to do, but I'm really glad you're doing it.
4: Oh, definitely. I'm doing it because we have to do it. Yeah. And- Americans elected um, more Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives. So that's why we are pushing back. We're pushing back on energy issues. Yep. We're pushing back on the debt ceiling thing. We passed a bill for that. Um, we've we've done border security bills that we've passed out of the U.S. House of Representatives and now um, helping law enforcement. So we're just doing our job and getting things done. Now it's up to the Senate and the President.
1: Good for you, you know, Alexander Hamilton spoke about the need for energy in the executive. We do need energy in the executive right now, all the energies in the House of Representatives and with people like you. Debbie Lesko, thank you. Folks, go to womensbillofrights.com and add your name to this bill that Debbie is adding, um, adding all her energy, name, and credibility to and doing so well. Thank you, Debbie Lesko. I'm Seth Liebsen. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Did you know Joe Biden was in Japan? (laughs) With all the news going on, you'd think covering of the president there. Who's covering the president anymore? Uh, John Hinderocker reports, Joe Biden is attending a G7 meeting in Hiroshima. I haven't noticed that the event has made much news with one exception. People are commenting on Biden's decrepitude. The New York Post writes a confused-looking President Biden had to be gently guided by Japanese leader Fumio Kishida on Friday before tripping and almost falling down some stairs. The oldest ever U.S. president looked confused as First Lady Jill Biden led him by the hand to meet his Japanese counterpart and his wife for a photo op in Hiroshima ahead of the Group of Seven Summit there. After shaking Kashida's hand, Biden, 80, turned his attention to the Prime Minister's 50 year, 58 year old wife, Fumiya Kashida, bizarrely bending over with clenched fists as if in a boxer's pose before also shaking her hand. Kashida, the Prime Minister, 65, then began leading the U.S. dignitaries to prearranged spots to pose for photos, eventually jumping in to politely guide Biden to his place as the President shuffled slowly over. And looked at the ground in clear confusion as to where he was supposed to stand. We'll figure it out, the first lady joked, as she and their hosts patiently waited for the aging commander in chief to work out where he should stand. Um I don't even I, I mean you can't you can't avoid G seven summits um at this point as president. But my gosh, I, I you know my gosh, I, I, I don't know what to say. This is part of the Daniel Boorstin image point I was making, I was quoting from earlier today. Uh, we, we, we Americans, this is part of the lie we're all just getting used to as well. And the apathy we just seem to, seem to uh, example and evidence by no one really caring that we don't have a sentient commander in chief. We don't have the commander and commander-in-chief. We don't have a commander-in-chief or president in command of his faculties. And we, um, we are embarrassed about it enough here at home. Now we're exporting it and showing the rest of the world again and again and again and every time he goes abroad as well. I suppose our allies can cover for him like in Japan, but I worry about what our enemies and opponents think. And you don't have to worry too terribly much about what they think. They're doing what they're doing, whether it's Russia or whether it's China, precisely because they know they can, precisely because we have given them a president that shows them they can. I'm Seth Leapson we'll be right back.